0: Session with Dr. Fadid Bolakwi.
1: Good evening. Welcome to In Session. I'm your host, Dr. Fadid Halaqu, and I'll be with you for the next hour here on Radio Hamra. You can follow me on Twitter or Instagram or like my page on Facebook to get updates on the show or suggest topics or books for the program. And the shows are uploaded at the end of each week to my SoundCloud page and podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Very happy to have a guest joining me tonight. Actually, it's author of the Book of the Week from last week, let me introduce you to her, Dr. Nusheen Valizade is an equity and inclusion expert trainer, spoken word artist, and published author. While her impact began in academia, her work expanded into local communities to create opportunities for change through DEI coaching, trainings, activism, and the arts. Her clients include school districts, universities, politicians, Fortune 500 companies, and more. On the day of the Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh's confirmation in 2018, she was asked to perform her poem Survivor Solidarity in front of over 22,000 people and was picked up by World Stage Press soon after. Her poetry book, which we'll be talking about tonight, Woman, Women, gives voice to the survivorhood and resistance of a woman's existence in America in the form of challenges. That demonstrate ways in which women can be emotionally unhoused in exile, empowered in solidarity and more. And she'll be performing with her collective Never Speak September 22nd at the House of Blues in Anaheim. So if you're in that area or around the Southern California area, go, go check her out. Dr. Nushin-Valizadeh, thank you for joining me tonight.
0: Thank you so much.
1: And so we met actually, we didn't talk about it today, we met... We were on a panel at UCLA, I think it was 2019, and then we had you on the show in 2020, and very happy to have you back now, actually in person, before we had to do it distanced because of COVID at that time, and your book of poetry, Women, which was the book of the week from last week, is what we'll be talking about tonight and and more, but I'm very excited to have you on because you, you wrote this incredible book of poetry, which covers a whole variety of topics, including... Uh, immigration, being Iranian, being a woman, and what that can mean in so many different ways. But why don't we just start with the title of the book, which also people who look at the cover will see that it's an alternate spelling of the word women, but maybe you can explain where that title comes from.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So thanks again for having sure, me Sure, thank here. you. For being here. So uh, it was interesting that I had once found out, you know, I don't remember how I had found this out. I think someone said, oh, you know, even... Us being called woman needs a man in there, and I'm like, why does it? You know, I just mm. went and looked into it, and I actually have this in my book, the history etymology of woman, Middle English from Old English of the word with men, so wife plus man became woman. Mm-hmm. So um, with that, I, you know, it, it that's really what opens my book as the poem if you want me to share that yeah together. why don't we start with that and actually Explain. i hope tonight
1: we can hear a few of these the poems I, I highly recommend the book to anyone um and actually i can mention it's from world stage press so you can get it from them it's also available in other booksellers including amazon but you can definitely get it directly from world stage press so here yeah. would be the the title uh poem of the book women by nushin valley's that it go yeah, it's ahead called
0: w-o-m-x then yeah um <clears throat> When people ask me questions, sometimes I just I'm like, well, I wrote it in a poem. It's easier than yeah. expressing.
1: Yeah, that time. make uh, yeah, and it's one of, I think it's the first or one of the first. Poems yeah, of it's right before yeah.
0: the chapters even start. That's right. Women with an X for intersectionality and solidarity with the unknown and the forgotten, stripped of their humanity. Women, because we can be non-binary, varying in ethnicities, races, abilities, and sexualities. Women against the mockery of a global society that portrays us as nothing when in fact we are everything. Women because we are more than the wife of a man.
1: Mm. Very powerful. And we actually talked before the show and you're saying how when you read your poetry and you almost like get into this. Kind of the, this persona this more intensity I, I think anyone listening even heard that that switch there and there's an intensity and anyone um please check out the videos of dr nushin valley's out performing they're really incredible uh thank but thank you for sharing that so i think Absolutely. that's yeah it's just kind of the tone for the book yeah that this is i mean the sense i got i'll share is like it's like your story of like band-splaining about your book it's really funny <laughs> <laughs> but I felt like it's your story, but it's the story of like women and people of different types of backgrounds. This is
0: the podcast where I get trolled. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. So let me tell you about women as a man because I know it better. Yeah. But so that um, you know, I felt like definitely your story is here, but you're telling many people's stories as well. So I don't know if like Absolutely. maybe you could share a bit about what you know and and this even this term artivism. Yeah, uh, I think that's pretty interesting and one that I hope we can touch on. But yeah, I thought it was fascinating that it's your, you feel a lot of you, as I said, when I saw you today, I'm like, I feel like I know you even better now after reading this book of your poetry. Uh, but I also feel like you share many people's struggles
0: in, in the book. Absolutely. And I appreciate that so much, by the way, because, you know, every day I get messages and not to uh, toot my own horn, but I, I get messages often from people telling me how much they love my book. And mm. they're just probably 90% of those messages are women, mm. not because you know, trust me, every man in my life has read the book, close friends, things like that, mm-hmm. and family, but um, it's really, really amazing to have you feel connected to it, because I, I felt mm-hmm. like I wrote it, and men should absolutely read here from the perspective of a woman who might mm-hmm. represent a lot of different women, uh, to really be able to understand <clears throat> the different kinds of struggles that we go through. Um, so yeah, so the cover of it, you see a woman, her face is kind of, you can't really see her eyes, and her, you know, face is kind of coming apart. It's this beautiful artwork, the actual visual painting of this um, uses cardstock. But much of that is because this woman is anyone. She can be mm-hmm. anyone, any mm-hmm. shade, any sexuality. So, so one thing I really want to make sure people know: I did not write "women" with an X to say that, like, oh, we're trying to include trans women. Sometimes that's a common mm-hmm. misconception, mm-hmm. and that's wrong because a trans woman is a woman. So, this is actually more to reject women in the patriarchy the way it has been created as who we are what we're supposed to be and instead that we are we are ex we are unknown mm-hmm. you know and we have been silenced for so long as survivors as women who go through infertility or miscarriages or postpartum depression as mothers as women who have suicidal thoughts um sexual assault survivors, domestic violence, you know, things like that. And so some of those experiences I've had as a woman and as a woman of color, as an Iranian woman, um, but some of them have also been experiences that I have created poetry out of from, based on the different communities that I've been able to interface with hmm. as someone who, you know, yes, uh, I'm an intersectional woman. I'm a woman of color. I'm Iranian. I have, you know, a lot of different identities. But I've also really created a lot of different kinds of communities and been part of different um mm-hmm. Spaces where I've been able to learn from people's stories. And sometimes I connect with a piece of it and it has inspired me to write a poem. Mm -hmm. And some of them have been very personal. So, really, uh, all to go back to saying that when a man tells me that he read my book and that he connected, it's so important. Um, The book, Jat Khali, which is about my miscarriage, right? When I wrote that poem, when I was going through the miscarriage, of course, my husband was going through sadness with me. But he didn't really understand what I was going through Hmm. uh, until I shared the poem with him. And then he kind of was able to feel like before that he was there for me and he had his own, oh, you know, I'm sad. But once he actually heard the way I worded it in my poem, he was able to connect so much more Hmm. to my experience. And that's where the artivist comes into play. So artivism being... Using the arts as a form of activism, which sure, we can actually spread the word about the importance of voting or um, sexual assault awareness, absolutely. But we can also, you know, we're activists when we are sharing our story, the story that people don't want to hear or haven't been normalized, mm-hmm. but need to be told. Uh, so that to me, you know, sharing my story of having a miscarriage, such a taboo, even just yep. to tell my husband in the poem, mm. was a form of, hey, you know, now you need to. listen and understand and be part of this journey with me in the way that um is beyond just the surface
1: yeah i think you know obviously poetry it's just words but it's also not just words right because it it puts so much feeling into it so it seems that i'm sure you could have used it in phrases to explain what you were feeling to your husband or to anyone but putting in a poetry because you put your feeling into it, he was able to capture it a little bit more and understand you better through that. And that's why I felt when I read the book, I think anyone will feel like they're getting to know you. And and your vulnerability is something that I was, I really admired as I read the book because you shared. You know, you mentioned things about even suicidal ideation, mm-hmm. um, the miscarriages, bullying, different experiences, trauma, and that's you know all those things are can be fairly taboo and it's so what you say as an artist you know it's that that's talking about these issues that can be uncomfortable the things we avoid and when we keep things taboo people suffer in the dark but we bring it so to the you. light it creates a lot more hope and healing for many people and millions and billions of people are going through some of the things that you bring up in absolutely. this book so i thought that was very powerful
0: absolutely and i feel like you know you touched upon something really important there with about um you know the spirit of it you know the the the, the poetry has is where your vulnerability can come to light and pushes through all the walls you might've created yourself, right? So even for myself, I hadn't really tapped into the real feelings. You know, on the surface, I'm like, I'm sad. I'm not gonna have a, I didn't have a baby. I thought this was gonna happen. And now like all these other things that, that, you know, went on for me, but when I I was quiet and I Mm. just started writing and I tapped into something so much deeper, you know, the part of me that, you know, that wants to cry that, you know, it's now fighting against the the shield that's saying, oh, you shouldn't cry mm-hmm. or you shouldn't talk about this or you should just move on. You know, that other deeper part, that soul that um, that's why in one of the last uh, or maybe the last page of the book, I say, um, you know, let the spirit of your art create you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was like I didn't even understand my pain until I had to really dig down underneath yeah. and get into what not just what how I should feel, how I should present myself, you know, but rather what was this really like, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. One red drop at a time mm-hmm. as I bits of you flushed away. Like, oh, you know, the person might be like, that's uncomfortable. I'm like, get comfortable with it yeah. because maybe my story is gonna let someone in the audience or three people in the audience now feel like they can start healing or mm-hmm. they can share theirs.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think the, you know, the most beautiful art is someone connecting to that inner voice and then sharing that. But first you have yeah. to connect to it and it's not easy. We most of us aren't hearing what that voice is telling us. And it seems like there was an introspection that you went through that even made you understand yourself better. And so art is is therapeutic it, it could, and that way it is like therapy. You're tapping into something there and expressing it in a way that is you know, for others to share as well. But first just expression yourself is something valuable. And some of the work you do is actually in helping people Express themselves through art. Um, I think you do some kinds of like I don't know if it's classes or trainings or something where people have yeah. an opportunity to do that.
0: Absolutely, there. It's like you know the the equity and inclusion work that I do has really blown up, right? Mm-hmm. Especially ever since George Floyd, and I think we were talking some about that in yeah. our last time we met. So a lot of companies, I get corporate clients, nonprofits, school districts who they really want equity inclusion work to happen in their business. So if it's a corporate client, they want You know, they want their, okay, we need equal pay or we need to foster more diversity and growth of our, you know, women of color in our office. If it's school districts, oh, we want to make sure we have success factors. But then it's like, where are you at with the wellness? Mm -hmm. And I'm not a therapist. I'm not, you know, a psychologist. That's not what my doctorate is in. But I do do a form of art therapy, which is writing. And so I'm not saying, oh, if you're suicidal, just write. But if you don't have a lot of tools and you're going through things, definitely mm-hmm. make it a habit to use some form of art. For me, it's writing, right? And for someone, for the woman, Brandy Junius, who created my cover and many other paintings, for her, it's visual art. That's how she does it. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so, so I have been able to bring in this uh, this piece, the artivism, which many would think, oh, how many people are you? Okay, are you an academic? Are you a profess- professional? Are you, like... No, it's all under one umbrella. And so I've been able to loop it in where I say, "Hey, for your next corporate event, instead of doing a sip and paint, why don't you do a therapeutic painting event or let me workshop everyone through, you know, I don't do the therapeutic painting one. I have I have Brandy do that. But I say, "Oh, let me, you know, do a performance and help workshop you to tell your story. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll do a person- we'll talk about personification poems and we'll talk about a topic that's really important to you know, the folks who I've met so far and make it really personal um, or dear fill in the blank and, mm. you know, just go at it. Have an angry poem right at the the college counselor or the professor who told you you couldn't be somebody that you wanted to be or your dad, whatever it is, your mm. boss, you know. And at the end of those, it feels like, oh, wow, I just created something. It's not about, oh, did I rhyme perfectly? Yeah. Oh, am I a good writer? Am I not? It's like I created something and it's amazing because it's no one else can tell my story but me. Mm.
1: Yeah. And I think as you're saying like the different, like you can do it through a painting, through spoken word, through poetry, whatever it might be, it kind of made me think of how there's not like one way to like exercise, right, physically. And so similarly, I think through artistic expression, there's not one way that everyone needs to do it, but finding a way that resonates for you can be really important. So the artivism, being active, like there's some kind of connection there, like find your way of expressing that feels right to you. I think everyone, it doesn't mean even your art needs to be put out there. It can, but first it's for you. That's why I think it's so important about this kind of work. Like even when people do art therapy, it doesn't mean you do a painting and it's going to be hanging in a museum. Maybe it will, but just for you, it might be valuable to express something, some pain, some feeling that it's maybe even hard to put words to, that the art actually allows you to express it you know, in even a more meaningful, deeper way. Uh, after the break, you know, I want to hear maybe a few more poems, if you don't mind. Okay. I also actually wanted to talk, it's actually a poem, I think it's called allies are all lies because you mentioned about you know myself as a man reading this book and we hear a lot about allyship what does that mean you know it's obviously I think a noun I think people look at it as a noun but really I think it's a verb Mm -hmm. which is something I've heard from many people I think is important so maybe we can get into some of those issues again my guest tonight Dr. Nushin Valizadeh author of the book Women we'll be right back Welcome back again. My guest tonight, Dr. Nushin Valizadeh, author of the book, Women. And Dr. V, we were talking before the break. You know, I want to hear more of the poetry, because I'm sure the listeners do. Highly recommend reading the whole book and checking you out to see you in action. Uh, And also, again, September 22nd, House of Blues in Anaheim. You can check out Dr. Nushin Valizadeh with her collective, Never Speak. Um, but I was mentioning the allies part. Maybe we can touch on that and then I'll ask you to read a poem if you don't mind. Because I think that's a a common, it's like a very trendy thing, too. I mean, it always has been there, but you hear a lot, I'm an ally, or wanting to be an ally. Mm-hmm. And I think that's wonderful. And we should be looking and being mindful of people who are experiencing different types of discrimination, prejudice, and injustices. Um, but yeah, I mean, you have a poem called Allies or All Lies. And I think. That to me was powerful because I could think it's sometimes wanting to be an ally. Again, I'm gonna explain yeah. your poetry to you. But I love it. I love <laughs> But be wanting to be an ally, but really are you there? So I mean I right. don't know, just I wanted to hear your thoughts well, on that. Well
0: that one, you know, yeah, I write it's all allies or all lies. There's literally a thin line. And then the poem is short. It's the resistance rests in peace and the rest exists in pieces. No surprise you'd leave us. Even God abandoned Jesus. It kind of Mm. just drops there. And really, it's, yeah, I mean, what you're saying, a lot of people are like, I want to be an ally. I want to be an ally. And it's sometimes maybe they just really don't know what the word means. Mm -hmm. And they just want to kind of think they they think they're being nice and they Mm -hmm. want to be there for you. But I think a lot of times people might be opportunistic with it. Oh, I'm an ally. Like, I'm an ally to this, you know, social justice cause or this group of people because it's beneficial for my business or it makes me look a certain mm-hmm. type of way. But then when it really comes down to it, you're not actually going to be there for us, yeah. you know? It just looks like you care because it's trending. Right. Um, I mean, I think one thing I remembered was there was so much going on during the protests that happened mm-hmm. uh, in Westwood. There were so, ma- there was so many protests happening in Westwood um, when the when the real protests were happening in Iran, maybe was it 2008, 2000? 2000, what was I the remember, last one?
1: I don't remember what year. It was, but the green there was Movement was a big that one, one? Yeah, yeah, the
0: green movement. Mm-hmm. And you saw so much coverage; it was just popular. But it was just kind of like it just died off. I remember around the time when Michael Jackson died, then all of a sudden <laughs> there was no more talk about Iran, and there was uh-huh. no more sharing, and there was just, oh, yeah. so you don't really care right. about us, right? A, yeah. Or if you're, you know, all these Black Lives Matter statements. And then you have the person, it's actually a piece I wrote just last couple days. It's fresh off the press, hot off the press. Uh But um, where I'm talking about, you know, these, actually, maybe I should share that later. But really just showing how hypocritical our Mm -hmm. country can be and how a lot of folks who say they're, oh, yeah, look, I give folks jobs. But you're not really giving them good pay and you're not really promoting them and you're not really helping them like make ends meet they're actually probably losing money coming to work to work for you but sure yeah. make yourself feel great you're an ally you're giving people
1: <laughs> yeah i mean it's such, I, it's such a complex issue i mean most yeah. of these types of things are because i mean we're obviously social creatures we obviously gonna care about what people think about us our status mm-hmm. our reputation all of those things so it's never going to be black or white but i think when i think of that like the ally like what what's your motivation what's your intention you're going to care like obviously Everyone likes to look good, but how much of your intention is how I look versus serving people or dealing with the injustice, right? And like, it's like, we have to all ask ourselves, it's like a personal question. Like I can't tell someone what they're doing, but I think, okay, what, why am I doing this? Is it because I want to look like an ally and I know it's cool and it's going to look good or is it really because I see this injustice and I think that's not okay and I want to do something about it, you know? And so that's why I think I, I read this in a book where it was like talking about how looking at ally as a... A verb rather than a noun. So it's not Absolutely. just like a thing you are, it's something you do. So you're actively yeah. doing something, you're mindful of it, you're doing something. And same thing with woke. If you're woke, it's not like you're done. You have to stay woke, you have to keep being aware of it. Yeah. So you might know whatever injustices you know about. I think to me, the humble position is to recognize there's probably hundreds of types of injustice I'm not aware of. So, you know, especially with this competition, like, do you know about the people here? There's, you know, people like try to like, tell you right. what they know. So it's like always having that mindset that. I'm not even aware of so much that's going on. And I want to come from that mindset.
0: And how how deep are your values for the cause and for those people that you're going to, you know, you're willing to take action and lose maybe some things, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, maybe you'll lose some folks of your community. And that's where where it's really at, because it's very easy to say, oh, I support this. And then, you know, what does that mean? It means you've made a vote like but, but what about the rest of what you're doing right right it's like the abolitionist movement you know there were white people who were allies their true allies mm-hmm. who weren't just like oh yeah i think slavery's wrong i would never own a slave but like all of the clothes you're wearing is still has still been mm. made by slave by mm-hmm. enslaved people and yet there were white abolitionists who would pay three times or more of the price for cotton because they wanted to make sure it was mm. not you know uh um From slavery labor labor. Mm -hmm. Uh, and they lost friends and they lost status and they lost maybe marriages, you know, and I'm Mm. not saying you have to lose your life to for a cause. But it just means that the work and what you just you know, is that is the right thing to do. You will do no matter what the cost. There isn't a limit like, oh, when it's convenient or as long as I don't have to make anyone around me uncomfortable because then you have this facade i'd rather i think most people would rather just know that you're not about their cause <laughs> yeah than for you to you know play that game and then you're not actually there and yeah yeah you know, we, we fell for it
1: right yeah i think that's it's, it's complicated that's why i think it's something we have to keep asking ourselves mm-hmm. what what's my intention here you know this is i i didn't want to put you on the spot but like since you said you know as a, as a man reading this book yeah and we're talking about allyship what what are some thoughts you have like as far as for men obviously reading this book, but in general, when you think of allyship, when it comes to women, you know, oh, what are, I
0: love that question. Okay, so good.
1: <laughs>
0: Cause I, I've been in a lot of sexual and domestic awareness you know, spaces. Mm-hmm. I'm a trauma informed violence prevention specialist. And so I have been in a lot of spaces where we're like, we need more men, you know, in these of spaces course. to, right. It's not, we're not, the, we're not the sexist ones necessarily. We're not yeah. the ones committing as, as high of a, you know, Percentage of committing rape as the men are. So we need them to be the ones to really work on this problem, fix the problem. But then what men don't realize, they haven't sometimes, some men, right? They come to a space, they have good intentions, they want to do the work, but they don't know how to decenter themselves. Mm. And I think this is something that not only men, but white folks, or, you know, we just, Whenever you're part of a dominant group, you don't know how to decenter yourself unless you really actively try,
1: yeah. right?
0: So then the man comes and he wants to be the paternal savior a lot of the times, right? right? Yeah. And not really willing to say, "Hey, um, I know that I probably have a lot of things ingrained in me that are not healthy as well, and I need to work on that." Instead of just being like, "You should be happy. I'm here." Oh, screw it. I don't. I, you know, if they don't mm-hmm. get the praise right away or the recognition for being there, as if they're doing you a favor. Yeah. Um, then they, you know, leave. So I feel like that humility is important and also understanding if you really want to be an ally as a white person for black people, you know, for race issues as a as a man, you know, with, with uh, issues that hurt, harm women and non-gendered folks, if you really want to uh, be an ally, then you have to understand that people are not going to trust you and mm. they're going to be triggered by you at times and that's okay and you yep. can just not, you know, get it, take it personal or make those comments like, oh, well, you know what? I voted for Obama. Like <laughs> people do. You need to be like, okay, um, I get it. I you, yeah. you shouldn't trust me. This is how you, historically we have pretended mm-hmm. that we've got your back and then used it for our own best interest. Or, oh, yeah, I care about women's rights and it has some sort of opportunistic motive. Yeah. Instead, you need to say, hey, I get it. I'm going to have to, like, earn your trust because there's a history of my, not me, but the my the right. group that I'm affiliated with, my gender or my race, that has been harmful to your group. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I'm going to be patient and hope to rebuild that trust. And I'm still going to do the good work whether or not you trust me. Yeah. You know, and that takes a lot of humility and it takes mm-hmm. a lot of um, reading, I think, reading and digesting uh, yeah. work that has been done on on." how to be a strong ally or accomplice in this work
1: yeah you know you, you said like i get it and then i was thinking it's like i get it that i don't get it right like I, you can't know what it's like to have someone else's experience and that's why we, yeah. we try we try to un- become you know it's like we try to become more understanding knowing we'll never fully understand like whatever exactly. anyone else's experiences whether it's like talking about groups or even just as an individual like as a therapist i'm always trying to understand my clients the best i can knowing I'll never fully understand what their experience is like. But get closer to it. And so that means listening, being yeah. open, trying to be non-judgmental, to be able to let them share that. But recognizing at the end of the day, there's always going to be a limit to how much I can understand anyone else's experience. So I think that's something I took from what you said is like having that humility of, okay, you're going to hear women's stories. And as a man, knowing you still won't fully ever get it and having that humility, but trying to be receptive as much as you can to get like closer to that understanding if you can.
0: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: I don't know if I just mansplained there too. No. Kind of <laughs> <laughs> to, like, you are me.
0: a man and yeah. you are speaking, but that's it true. doesn't necessarily mean you're mansplaining. That's true. Yeah. It's that's okay. where it's like, this,
1: like the, <laughs> this the line of like, oh, let me tell you what allyship should mean. Yeah. But I think it's, yeah. a, you know, you, what you brought up is important of like people who could show up, but then you see what their intention is as soon as they don't get the praise. Because you do see that where it's right. like, putting it out there in a certain yeah, way. That's right. about the they, intention. They just,
0: you know, and again, this is something that is, our society has done. Like we want to applause and give a lot of credit and men especially, you know, have have been socialized in a way where praise, recognition is very important, mm-hmm. validation is very important and even, you know, our, we all subscribe to it. You don't have to be a man to subscribe to the page. In fact, there's probably plenty more women i've experienced in the corporate world who might be reproducing the patriarchy Mm. more right like oh like i want to be the one woman who's up there and let me kick others down like unfortunately that's part of part of it um but even in the workplace seeing a woman run home to take her kids to soccer it's like eye rolls and uh you know Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. when a guy does it same thing oh he's such a good dad oh he's like so you know like Shut off yeah. <laughs> yeah, I had a friend recently they're
1: saying how like yeah, he took like the two daughters to like breakfast and like it was like he was a superhero. Like people are looking and then you know, oh, but if the mom does it it's like, oh the kids are making too much noise or like, you know, there's gonna be so it's just kinda of funny how there's differences in yeah. our expectations that we don't even realize we bring into, you know, the situations. But yeah.
0: A lot. A mm-hmm. lot of heavy weight on women that and we're just supposed to just take it and you know, especially women of color. you know, they're they're not really supposed to show their vulnerability they should just be strong they Mm -hmm. should just they can do it they're magic and we are magic but we're definitely vulnerable and human
1: yeah yeah yeah. and that actually comes through in the book too like you talk about different things that women might experience we talked about miscarriages domestic violence comes up uh, postpartum depression and you know the variety of things that again i get a better understanding from reading your poems but knowing i won't No, and that's why I really highly recommend people do check out your book because I do appreciate the vulnerability that you open up and a lot of things, issues that people don't like talking about because they're not easy to talk about. But I think it's important that we do. Maybe going into the break, do you mind sharing another poem? I don't know if you have one ready on deck.
0: I do. I can share. um... I did have one. I can come back and share. Yeah,
1: that's fine. We can also go to the commercial break. But yeah, there's many. I mean...
0: But one thing I'll say is there are five chapters. Yes. So it really... It, each chapter, it kind of opens with a little bit of like the heavy piece, and then it ends with a little bit of closure, so that you're kind of going through this little roller coaster ride mm-hmm. in each chapter that had to do with my life, but also experiences. So the first one's women who talk ish ished Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) and that's just like oh i'm like telling my teachers i'm telling america i'm telling you know the allies or whatever and then women in exile a lot of that has to do with the being an iranian woman experience but a Mm -hmm. lot of people have connected like especially if they have been you know emotionally unhoused and home uh, you know from their motherland folks from el salvador will read some of that and be like oh my god i i understand this or folks you know who have been bullied um women in pieces is more that brokenness, the traumaversary being a big part of that whole chapter where it's like that anniversary of the trauma, we have the certain feelings that happen. I called it traumaversary. It's like mm-hmm. around that same time every year, that survivor, that sexual assault survivor might feel a certain way or maybe a certain smell It gives her traumaversary. It's just kind of like, you know, how do we reconcile that? And then Women in Motherhood in Quarantine talks about um, some of what we already shared with mm-hmm. the miscarriages and postpartum pieces. And then Women in Solidarity is where I've done some collaborations and really focused on social justice and empowerment and kind of, you know, let's get rid of the mockery.
1: Yeah, get the, the mockery, yeah. <laughs> The if, mo- if, mockery. Those you, if you read the book, you'll see that mockery actually is a different word that we can't say on the air here. <laughs> uh, but the Women in Motherhood and Quarantine was also, yeah, there's like the the heavy stuff of the postpartum and the miscarriages. But also there's like some beautiful pieces of like, there was one poem I think you were talking about how it was kind of actually nice to think slowing down. You were like more home or more, you know. like Yeah, spending so more time yeah. with
0: my daughter yeah. and like just kind of during the quarantine a little bit and, and the beauty that I saw. I, I'm not really great at writing the happy, lovey poems, but I guess um, when my daughter inspires me, I can do anything. Oh,
1: yeah, that one was, was beautiful. <laughs> and then to, to your your baby who is now here, but he was at the time that you wrote a lot of some of the poems in the womb, you share some, some beautiful ones. About about him as well, and just yeah, it's actually
0: you know the um the dedication. I said the poetry compilation is dedicated to my ancestors whose blood ran through my veins and into this book, and to those who will come after me, my dear Serena and the one in my womb. Hmm. So yeah, he he was born like a week and a half after my book came out. Wow! <laughs> so I gave you two birth, births, yeah,
1: two births yeah. in
0: one month.
1: <laughs> Amazing, yeah. And so we're we're actually at the last commercial break so we'll go into our last segment uh but maybe we'll get one or two more poems and we'll, we'll kind of wrap things up but again i'm joined tonight by dr nushin Vallizada, author of women we'll be right back welcome back again my guest tonight dr nushin Vallizada, talking about her book women and much much more Uh, again september 22nd house of blues anaheim go check her out if you're in the area tickets are how can people get tickets for that you just
0: get them at the door they're ten dollars
1: go check it out see some her and some other members of her collective never speak is that right okay Hope you'll check her out. But we were going to have you read maybe one or two more poems. You said you might even give us a poem that's not in the book. That's like oh, a newer one. I might. But I might. first let's get one from the book if okay. you'd like. Okay,
0: sure. I'll do it we'll from the book one. first. Okay. There's, this one is called... Um, a lot of people love this book. I mean, sorry, not the books. <laughs> a lot of people love this book. No, a lot of people love this poem. Um, they really connect to it. It's called When the War Has Ended. Mm-hmm. And it's the final poem in my Women in Pieces book I, I keep saying about chapter yep. yeah um, the Women in Pieces chapter it kind of starts off heavy with you know some poems about domestic violence sexual assault surviving and then a traumaversary which I, I think I already talked about you know what a traumaversary mm-hmm. is but then I don't want people to ever leave the chapter with it all kind of dumped in um, and it's on page 93 when mm-hmm. the war has ended so this is kind of after you've really reconciled that you have you know this trauma and this pain and um well I'll just read it peace is not happiness it is when a war has ended I refuse to be numb I now know there is a tomorrow and like a fairy tale the sun will spin my pail to gold place her warm hands on my face kiss my cheeks for blush and lift my lips up into a smile I can find love etched into a sidewalk. I can let the beach sand massage my toes, drape my mother's silks over me as a gown, and become drunk from the smell of jasmine petals placed around my curls for a crown. But tonight, tears are free to stream and become one with the sea. Embracing my wounds reminds me I am real. I can honor the pain that has made me me with a celebration of acceptance and tranquility. happy traumaversary to me. How old is the new me now
1: hmm. that's that last line how old is the new me now that's intense because I mean people go we change we evolve right, and there's like what how old is that new version of me but that's that was a beautiful one. Thank you for sharing that yeah um. And I did mention there's a new poem we might get to hear, but I'll, I'll, I'm teasing that one because I thought it was pretty cool. You, you read the beginning of it to me in the last commercial break. Um, yeah, I, I really hope people will check out the book because as I mentioned, it just it's a very it's an emotional roller coaster, lots of different feelings, lots of different things. I think it makes you reflect on different things. I was thinking about things I went through. You'd share about childhood, even getting bullied or what it was like being yeah. Iranian Yeah, there's definitely
0: a lot about, you know, the Iranian piece in that exile chapter, which folks have told me, you know, oh, wow. Like as someone who grew up in Iran but went there once or twice, I really connected with, Mm -hmm. you know, it's this motherland that you feel like, oh, wow, I belong here, but not really. Yeah, And then you're like, wait, but I felt like that my whole life in America, too. (laughs) Mm.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's kind (laughs) of that between two cultures that many uh, immigrants or children of immigrants feel. I felt that, too. I mean, you know my name even for like, how do you say it you know that's even the first part of your identity in some ways like you don't feel like you belong either way uh, or either place but i think you also you shared one of the poems about going to iran
0: yeah
1: um which was i think in well one of the times was in 1999 was the only time, the only yeah, time. okay the only time. yeah and you you know saw some pretty intense things there i don't know if you want to get into that but i mean that experience seems really intense how beautiful like you know you talk about the the beauty of it and like the not so beautiful parts that you unfortunate to experience there
0: yeah i was 17 it was the only time i went to iran and my uncle i have i have a lot of generations of activism so from my great grandfather my grandfather they were both extremely politically active um and my grandfather was actually murdered for his politics and then my uncle was um the leader of an Iran na- the Iran nations party, has been in at Iran. And he, uh, it just so happened, the two weeks that I, my first time going to Iran, I get there and you can see this in the whole poem where I'm like, oh my gosh, is this where Cyrus the Great, hmm. you know, was, I can't remember what I said in there, but um, uh, it was really about like, wow, I'm here with the motherland and all my family and mm-hmm. people I've only known by telephone or, all in person and hugging me and I feel at home, right? Mm. And a lot of us feel like that. Wow, we talk to these people every Saturday and then we see them, we're like, it's like we've known them our whole life. And it was just so beautiful, the smell of Sanyak bread, the, you know, fast talking of Farsi, it was just like, wow, it was incredible. And then it's just so happened that in that time period that I was there, they had shut down these newspapers, it was like mm. Salam newspaper or something like that. And they had shut down these, um, these, these the 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 college students had protested, and so my uncle, he left, he went for a walk or something, and then he didn't come back, so they had arrested him. Mm-hmm. And it was pretty, it, you know, it was pretty downhill the experience from there because we just spent the rest of the time there trying to find out which where he was. Was he mm-hmm. in jail? They weren't giving us a, an answer. We we're like, did he fall? Is he in a hospital? We were just really struggling, and I'm seventeen years old. Oof going through, you know, wow, I just bonded more with my uncle than I had with anyone in my family, really, Mm -hmm. at the time. And I don't know where he is or what's happened. And then we finally get a call that he's, you know, at Evian prison, the political prison. And you know, and now I have to leave. And I don't know if I'm ever going to go back. And obviously I wasn't able to go back. And now I have to leave my cousins crying, you know, just Mm. we were barely able to catch our breath, you know, in those goodbyes. So it was devastating, and I, I'm not alone in that type of a story. Of, mm-hmm. of At least I was able to leave and say goodbye. Some folks don't even get to say goodbye to anyone. I mean, yeah. I didn't get to say goodbye to my uncle then. Thank God he was actually released, and I saw him um, many years later in, uh, in London. But um, yeah, that was, that was a very painful experience, and um, I was so happy to be able to write that. The prompt mm. that I had to be able to, so you can have different prompts, yeah. was a place poem. Hmm. Um, Hiram, he was my mentor and he helped me and he's the owner of the press. He said, write a poem about a place that no one else would really have been to, but they will feel like they were there. And that's why I really personified different things of Iran because I wanted the person to feel like, oh, my God, I feel like I was there. And if mm. you are Iranian, you're going to connect to it even more.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that that's a very, very powerful poem. And again, one where you share about your life and life story. And then you also share, I think, at the end of that poem, coming back to America. And I think that's kind of this interesting. It, yeah. It's like again, going back to like, where do we belong? And so as you could feel like both places or neither in some ways, you know, so Absolutely. I thought that was interesting. And there's that experience of being Iranian, but in the United States born here, but the experiences you've had with that as well, which I'm sure many people, whether they're uh, you know Iranian or children of immigrants, can relate to that experience of of yeah. like not quite fitting in.
0: And that's why the poem, I think I put the poem I put after that, or definitely in the same chapter, was the poem that I shared the last time when we were on the phone, which mm-hmm. was the poem that I had. So this poem that I'm talking about, the I wrote as an adult. You know, yes, it took place in 17 and it was a place, you know, that I'd been, but I had written it as an adult. But when I was 17 or 18, maybe, I wrote that other poem that I shared last time, mm-hmm. which was about how, wow, I came here after back to America, the land of the free or whatever, after seeing how horrendous the experiences were for my family in Iran and um, With their lack of freedom, but then I'm friends with you know I have black friends in college and one gets beaten up by police officers for Mm. real literally There was no real reason for it. I knew him very well. I knew exactly what happened and it was just there was no justice for it and um, Luckily he survived, but I remember then being like who's free like where are you know? Wow. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's not something I thought would ever happen to me in America or any of any white people that I knew. Or, but there's people here who are suffering, just like how there's people in Iran who are like, "Oh, that's not the Iran I know. Iran's amazing for us,
1: mm-hmm. right? Like yeah. we just stick
0: to our own business. You know, they're not necessarily they're so remote and sheltered from what everyday people go through. Um, even honestly, even before the revolution, yeah, you know, having their freedoms not necessarily there.
1: Yeah. And, and you're clearly a fighter for justice and for people who are suffering. And it seems like you've always had your own experiences of that. So I'm, I can get that that would help you connect better and see like your eyes are looking for that are very aware of who is facing injustice and what can I do about it? Because a lot of the work you do professionally, personally through your art seems to be related to this sense of injustice and fighting for what's right. And you mentioned being you know a few generations in of people who are activists so it seems like it really is kind of in your blood as well
0: i know and my parents are very disappointed <laughs> like why aren't i a lawyer <laughs> and i go going to social justice and education yeah. doctor and yeah. i could get a jd and be a human rights attorney you know uh-huh.
1: that would be great but I, i'm sure they're proud if you're listening <laughs> I, you have a lot to be proud of parents but uh um, yeah I, I could see that but that you know, but it's like four generations you said of activists yeah. in your family. So, mm-hmm. uh, in some ways, they maybe they expected some of that too to be a part of you.
0: Yeah, I think they were hoping not. But okay. yeah, it did come out.
1: Yeah, that's, <laughs> a tr- you know, both, both being an artist and being an activist are things I think people value. But then with their own kids, like they're afraid, well, they can get hurt or it's not a stable. So mm-hmm. it's kind of intriguing. There's things we admire yeah. in people, but that's why when our, with our own kids, because we want them just to be safe and okay. Yeah. We sometimes don't want them to go. Yeah, we don't want them to ruffle paths.
0: feathers. Oh, you're not going to get a job anywhere. If yeah. Post something like that. Like, don't put these things that you're saying about America online, you know, keep, you know, then. They're gonna Google and they're gonna see that. I'm not gonna give you a job, and then that's when I'm like, actually, I started running my own business. So. There you go. You gave yourself <laughs> a job. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> so if you like what you've seen, then maybe I will let you work with me. Exactly. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's 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 so true that you make your you made your own path in a lot of ways. Yeah, I, know I know you. You've taught at universities. You've done and you still do, uh, get in you know do things in academia. But you started your own business, uh, which which I touched on in the introduction. But you do different types of trainings and things for people, for companies, corporations, politicians, related to things like diversity and inclusion. Is that right?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, A lot of doing, you know, I feel that it's activist work. I know it's trending diversity and inclusion. Let's hire more people of color. And, you know, let's talk about microaggressions. And it's very popular right now. And another Mm -hmm. thing that you're like, okay, are we doing this because we want to check off a box? And that's sometimes what I say. I'm like, do you want to check off a box or do you want to stop being racist? Mm Mm-hmm. Because if you just want to check off a box, I'm not the consultant for you. We're going to really dig deep. It's going to get very uncomfortable, but you're going to feel empowered by it. Mm-hmm. And that's really the deep work. Trainings, professional development, not just a one-time, I'm going to teach you about implicit bias. We're going to actually really dig into you know, the implicit bias that exists within your organization or your company. And the leaders have to be involved, but also know when it's a private space because... You know folks are not gonna feel so uncomfortable if they're in the room mm-hmm. but they have to be part of the work hundred um, percent they need to be coached and I have to kind of be that person who's like just so you know these kinds of comments or these are the ways that you you know let me let me call you in mm-hmm. and call you higher to um, receive this in a way that is going to be productive not to like shame you right yeah that's not gonna be productive for anyone And bring them into the conversation to where they can realize, like, oh, this is something that's been ingrained in me, or this is something that is harmful, that I'm perpetuating, um, and then making real changes to the policies. I mean, you have to make changes to the policies that exist in our school systems. You can hire amazing teachers who love black students and students of color, but when the policies are still, you know, historically have harmed them, then you have to change that before (laughs) you're just, you know— thinking oh hiring new teachers is gonna be better oh we have these are bad police we're gonna get re-. no the actual system yeah has been designed a certain type of way that we need to change so that's what i dig into it's not something that a one-time conversation about why we shouldn't be colorblind is going to resolve
1: <laughs> yeah no i think and that people are looking for that we're always looking for the easy Shortcut, fix yeah. shortcuts and you mentioned something like um just feeling bad like i think sometimes people think if you just feel bad that means you did the work but it's like it it might involve feeling bad but it's much more complex than that and i'm actually looking at the time we just about have to wrap up but um and also for that work i think people could check out is it drnooshv.com yes
0: you can go to d-r-n-o-o-s-h-v.com also my instagram handle is at dr v which is uh d-r-n-o-o-s-h-i-n-v and um you'll be able to get everything on there you can watch some performances. yeah check her out and i mean check out on videos (laughs) or go
1: september 22nd to the house of blues in anaheim
0: you never speak Mm -hmm.
1: and yeah i I really want to thank you for coming on you know what the first time was over the phone this time it's nice we got to do it in person but we'll definitely be having you back on soon
0: absolutely i would love that
1: all right, a big thank you again to Dr. Nusheen, Alizada, author of the book, Can I leave, leave one
0: uh, yeah, yeah, few it, lines? Sure, yeah, go ahead. It's just the last um, page, if anyone could feel inspired. Put all of your power to the chisel, to the brush, to your limbs, to your voice, to the pen, and then capture the view. Free the spirit of your art and let it create you.
1: Beautiful, thank you. Let's uh, wrap up there. Thank you again. Big thank you to Ghazaleh here in the studio. You've been listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Dalaqui. Be kind and take risks. Have a wonderful night.